Well, hello everyone. I am Matt Williamson. Hopefully everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day and long weekend and got to do all kinds of good stuff. I was down at OTAs today, Tuesday, and I will be the next two days as well. Unfortunately, Thursday and today we had all kinds of technical issues and we had to record the thing from the indoor facility. So I really got no insight of what actually was happening. So a little frustrating. I've been assured that will be fixed for tomorrow. But in the meantime, there was a really good article put out by Bill Barnwell on ESPN.com, and it is lengthy. I mean, he went and he ranked all 32 teams in pretty great depth of their off seasons as a whole. So today's podcast, I want to talk about the bottom three teams, the top three teams, and then how the Steelers in the second half of the podcast correlate to those. So... We'll go 30, 31, 32, and then we'll do one, two, three, and then I'll talk Steelers. So at 30, I really agree with him. He has the Raiders having one of the league's worst off seasons. Going from Carr to Garoppolo, to me, is at best a lateral move, but he's Garoppolo, that is, much less reliable from a durability standpoint. I don't think he's as good a player, and I think it's a lot of... Well, Jimmy's the former Patriot. I know who he is. So that's what we're going to do because I'm Josh McDaniels and I'm the former Patriot as well. And the Raiders, to me, if you rewind one whole year, Russell Wilson had just gotten traded to Denver. The Chiefs were, you know, the Chiefs. And although they just traded Tyreek. And the Chargers had signed Khalil Mack and all these guys. And they're going to be the, the sleeper team. This is the best division in football. And I think what the Raiders did, and I think this is where their mistake started was a year ago, is they misevaluated where they were one year ago. I, I think they had a, a sit down and said, okay, should we go trade for somebody like Devontae Adams and go all in here and try to compete with this, what looks like a really, really tough division? Or do we punt and then trade Carr then and regroup? And they went all in, you know, as if they were in Vegas in reality and put all their chips in the middle. And I just don't, I think that they're paying for it now. And this offseason is another extension of that. You know, sure, they added an edge pass rusher in the draft to put opposite Max Crosby. That's fine. But the rest of the defense is still very lacking. And what bothers me about Garoppolo isn't even moving from car to Garoppolo. It's not something I would have done. It really didn't even save you that much money. But especially considering he's hardly ever on the field, if you had Garoppolo and Will Levis or some young or Trey Lancey, I mean, I mean, some young guy with upside, I could understand true placeholder in Garoppolo. But they don't have that guy. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, they drafted in like the fifth round. So there's not even that kind of fallback plan. So I think this is sort of a rudderless situation. And, you know, sometimes you keep talking Vegasisms here. You got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. And they folded them when they should have holded them or the opposite last year. And now they're paying for it. And frankly, I think the Raiders are going to be one of the worst teams in the AFC. And it's kind of been a two-year project of doing that since Josh McDaniels got, got on board. The team with the 31st best offseason is the Rams. And I can't fight that, but they got a ring for it, you know. So they went many years. The first, the last time that the Rams have used the first round pick, folks, was on Jared Goff. 
Think about that. First overall, that's the first time they, it's the most recent first round pick made by the Rams. But they won a Super Bowl by trading away first round picks for Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford, et cetera, et cetera, over the years. And contrary to popular belief, they still always made a lot of picks, a lot of mid round picks, third, fourth rounders. But right now, it's showing that those mid round picks just aren't paying off for them. They haven't drafted particularly well. And I do think the offense has a chance to be okay if Stafford can stay together. Cup comes back. I will say that Denver and the Rams were the most injured teams in the league last year. That's unlikely to occur. But I just gave the Raiders a hard time for their defense. Oh, man. I mean, if you have free minutes, go to OurLads.com. They have the best depth charts in the the NFL. And if you just look at the Rams defense, there's Aaron Donald, and nothing. I mean, it is a barren wasteland of young guys, of undrafted dudes, of unproven dudes, none of whom really have pedigree. I mean, they have a linebacker, Jones, who's a good player. But basically what's happening to them, and which is fine, is all their credit cards are coming due. I mean, it's time to eat your vegetables if you're the Rams, because they went all in and good for them. They got a ring. And now it's going to be lean times. Like, I have some doubts. Will Donald, Stafford, Cup? I mean, these guys are all 29 and above. Are they going to be on the team past the trade deadline this year? Maybe not. And that might be the best thing for them. I mean, just kind of break the whole thing down, get out of this. Maybe you end up with a Caleb Williams when it's all said and done or a young quarterback and start all over. But, man, that's tough, especially in that fan base. It's not like you're in Pittsburgh where – you know, they're kind of built that stars and scrubs way, I think, because they have to compare with the Lakers and the beach and Beverly Hills and all the stuff going on out there. Being average and boring doesn't sell tickets in that town. So Barnwell has the Titans with the worst offseason. I don't know that I agree, but I see where he's coming from because I think they're going to be really bad. Uh, frankly, I think that their defense will be average at best. I think their offense will be disastrous. And just like we talked about with the Rams, I would be very shocked if Tannehill and Derrick Henry are with this team next year, but maybe not even past the trade deadline again. You know, like their line is in shambles. They added basically two offensive linemen in free agency in the first round, but that's not enough. They really needed four. They probably need two more pass catchers. I mean, so they are really going to be down and out for a while. And then they trade up and go get Levis. And I guess they were talking to the Steelers quite a bit with the Joey Porter pick. And I'm just not a Levis believer, but for the price they paid, maybe he's the answer somewhat on the cheap. Man, I I just think that that's going to be tough. I mean, that division's bad enough and Vrabel's a good enough coach that they may win six games, which probably keeps them out of the lottery for big-time quarterbacks or whoever, or the ability to trade out. But uh, I think that they are going to be in for a tough go of it. So those are the three worst. The three best, (laughs) and I commend Bill Barnwell for doing this. He put the Washington Commanders number one. And frankly, folks, the whole reason for this is new ownership. You know, ding dong, the witch is dead. You know, a very, very proud Washington organization was bought by Daniel Snyder long ago, and he ran them into the ground and ran off uh, 
you know, all kinds of their fan base, embarrassed the organization in many ways on the field, off the field. So when you look at these things, it's not just how did we get better for game day? It's where did the organization improve since we saw them on the field last? Now, the sale of, of, the, of the commanders isn't done yet, but just getting Daniel Snyder out of the building earns the number one spot for Barnwell. And I kind of like that approach. He gives the Dolphins number two. Um, I don't have a problem with that either. My one complaint was considering Tua's massive injury history, and there is huge splits of how good their offense with and without Tua are. They went from Mike White very early in free agency, and he did some good things in the, with the Jets, but I would have liked to seen a better number two than Mike White. I mean, like they just attacked that, got Mike White, thrilled with it. That might be fine. He does fit their system well. He's a good, quick decision maker. He's tough. But I would have gone a tier higher, maybe Andy Dalton, somebody like that to be my Tua backup because it's night and day when he's in there and he isn't and he's not in there nearly enough. But other than that, I mean, you talk about the Vegas conversation we just had about pushing your chips into the middle. Miami has pushed their chips into the middle. They are trying to win it all while Tua is on a rookie deal. And they're aggressive as can be. And this goes back to last year, trading for Bradley Chubb. We talked about the Rams earlier. They go and they trade for Ramsey. Um, but my favorite move they made was bringing in Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. You know, a young offensive-minded head coach can take that whole defensive side of the ball, give it to Vic and say, you do that, I'll do the offense, and let's go. Because I think the Dolphins have a chance to be really good. They're really fast. Their defense is loaded. So I think this is a really interesting team, a really interesting team build. And I think the offseason has been good to them. So I don't have a problem with them being number two whatsoever. I have a little problem with this last one. Again, we'll go to a break here in a minute and talk Steelers. Dallas Cowboys at three. I just didn't love their draft. I didn't think the draft broke particularly well for Dallas. I think they wanted Kincaid and then they settled for Schoonmaker in the second round at tight end. But they went out and trade for Brandon Cooks. They trade for Stephon Gilmore. You know exactly what you're going to get in those dudes. They're former pro bowlers. Gilmore is a former defensive player of the year. You know, like that's a good team buying quality veterans on the cheap. Didn't invest a lot in terms of of, uh, draft capital to get those guys in. I'm a massive Dak Prescott believer. He threw too many picks last year, but some of those were, you know, circumstantial. And that's not really who he is. They have Micah Parsons. They have a tremendous defense. I think getting Elliott out in terms of just who touches the ball is good for them. Pollard, or Pollard, I think, will be your bell cow. C.D. Lamb is really good. They've always invested in the offensive line. So I think it was a really solid offseason for Dallas, but they wouldn't have been number three for me. In fact, I would have the Steelers ahead of them, to be very honest. I think the Steelers had a better offseason than Dallas, who he has at three, and several teams they have ahead of him. So, quick break, and we will talk Steelers here and what Bill has to say about them, because I think he's selling them a little short.
All right. So he has the Steelers at 10. And I tell you guys this a lot. I'm, if anything, I don't think I'm a Steelers apologist for some of these lists and big picture national things. If anything, I think I'm harsher on the Steelers than the other 31 teams. And I have a hard time nitpicking this offseason. I mean, some of the things he said about what went right, boy, the offensive line got better. And he talks about that quite a bit. I didn't expect the offensive line to get that much better. I thought they'd add a tackle or, you know, maybe another guy, a swing guy or something, but not as much as they did. I mean, now they have nine quality or, man, that might be a stretch, but they have a lot of NFL linemen and some potential stars in Solomalu and Jones at premium positions, especially Jones. So I think that is selling them a little bit short. What went wrong, I do agree with. He said the inside linebacker cycle churned on. You know, this isn't supposed to happen to the Steelers. It's a product of one or two moments of awful luck. He mentions Shazier. He mentions Bush. That they have tried, takes some big swings, and it hasn't worked out. Obviously, the Shazier situation is tragic and is something that's really hard to overcome as a team builder, and they haven't really. I don't hate Holcomb. I don't hate the group that they have, but I think it was the worst position group on the team last year. And it might be still, although I think it's better. I mean, if you can have more big plays off the ball than they did last year, that would be helpful. They have nowhere to go but up. Holy cow. But it's not going to be a strength. It's not a high-end group of linebackers. Maybe Mark Robinson proves me wrong, but I don't see a great prospect sitting there in the, you know, waiting in the wings that's ready to, you know, jump to the top of the list. But I also think that maybe the new team builders aren't as big. You have to cut corners somewhere when you team build. And cutting corner at linebacker to me is as good about as as you can ask for, to be very honest with you. you know, I mean, if you're going to cut corners there, I can live with it. I'd rather be strong up front. I'd rather be strong at corner. You know, those are the premium positions. So I understand that. Maybe that's just something we have to get used to is we're just going to have bodies at the second level for the Steelers. And that's fine. And you just recycle them. And maybe you find a you hit a diamond in the rough in the fourth round. Or maybe, you, you know, a, a, a solid signing or a guy like Cole Holcomb is a fixture for four years and is a good, not great player. I can live with that if everything around them's fine. But I'll be honest, uh, I, I like this article. It is lengthy. I uh, urge you to check it out. But having the Steelers 10th in terms of who had the best offseason, I don't agree with it all. I really would have them at the top of the league, and I firmly believe that. So thanks, everyone. We will talk soon. Talk tomorrow. Over and out.